it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. If you're a spiritual professional and have been building your skills and knowledge for years and feel ready to share this wisdom with the world, then the Afterlight Institute wants to work with you. If you want to create your very own online course without having to worry and stress about the technology and the marketing, then you are strongly urged to apply. All the details can be found at theafterlightinstitute.com. Lauren Grace here and welcome to the show. My guest today is Vanessa. She is the founder and CEO of Starseed Collective, a company whose mission is to support medicine women, metaphysical mavens, and conscious creators on their journey to up-leveling their spiritual intelligence and becoming a powerful contribution to the planet. I got full-on goosebumps when I read that. I don't know if you can see that, (laughs) Vanessa, but... (laughs) I feel I felt it too. I was like, Oh, that sounds good. (laughs) We should do that. (laughs) Working with crystals and the Akashic records has been two of the most supportive practices in her life. And Vanessa thrives on supporting others with custom crystal grids that are downloaded directly from the Akashic field. Over the last two decades, Vanessa has continued to seek out every corner of spiritual technology to help her better navigate her human experience and pay for the wisdom and knowledge she has gained along the way. From plant medicine ceremonies and peak flow state adventures to becoming a certified kundalini yoga teacher and sound healer, Vanessa has relentlessly strived to embody the frequencies that could help her be in deeper service to the planet. What a beautiful bio. And Vanessa is joining me today to talk about all things crystals, crystal grids, (laughs) the Akashic records, and star seeds. Vanessa, thank you so much for being on the show. What a lovely pleasure to meet you. Welcome. Mm, thank you for having me. What a pleasure to meet you as well. Yeah. And we're talking about all my favorite things. So like, so, so excited. <laughs> I know me too. So I, I feel like before we talk about what star seeds are, how you channel crystal grid information from the Akashic records, it's really important that we kind of find out a bit about how your spiritual journey started. So have you mm. always been a spiritual person? Have you always been connected to, you know, this outer worldly kind of world? Or was it something mm. that you had to remember? You know, it's really interesting because my mom was kind of on a spiritual journey um, in my younger years. And so I had this really amazing opportunity with her to watch her growth and kind of watch her go through her process. And, um, you know, she started to get into energy work in the around the time I was in high school. So I actually got certified to do Reiki when I was like 16. So I actually have just had this amazing opportunity to be in it kind of for a long time. Mm. But I do feel like there was a period of time, maybe in my 20s, um, early 20s and kind of those years where I got a little off track. And yes. so it, we I all did when girl. I was about I'm Right. Exactly. I think we got it. We have to get lost to find ourselves again. So it's all good. Um, But yeah, so I, um, you know, I think I was just going through the 20s, right? You're coming online, you're getting your career going, you're getting, you know, is getting married, all those things. So I think that around right when I was about to come into my 30s, right, we kind of have that moment where it's like, wait, what are we doing with our lives? (laughs) So I took this year long internship through some beautiful women who were trained in the Berkeley Psychic Institute method which is kind of a very formal um, method that comes out of Berkeley, California and Northern California where I'm from. And, you know, it really kind of just blew the doors wide open on the Kashuk field and spirituality and soul contracts and really just the sovereignty I have over my own spiritual journey. And so I think although I started very young, this was the time when I really grabbed the gear, if you will, and came into it even more powerfully, even more deeply. And from there, it was kind of just really the journey to deciding what was in my medicine bag, like what I was really going to truly work with um, long term. And so it's been a consistent process to keep trying different modalities, keep trying different things and really up leveling my auric field, if you will, you know, expanding my radiant field and all of the things have made an imprint that I've tried. But 
I think really I've landed in the field of really deeply working with Kundalini energy, the Akashic records, and of course the crystals and sound as well. Sound is big for me. So those are kind of my medicine bag that I've really landed in, but all of the things kind of got me here. Beautiful, beautiful. I do want to talk to you in a few minutes about where you got the name for your business, what inspired that. But before that, I am curious about how you are navigating your life as a human with all of these spiritual, you know, inclinations, all of this spiritual information that you have. I mean, do you find that it's difficult? Do you, are you happy that you decided to go to school here? Mm, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I um, I think at this point I've been in it so long that I almost forget there's another way or, you know, yeah. like the the mirror wall has been, uh, you know, transcended, so to speak. So I feel like I haven't um, I haven't doubted my journey, my path, my um, my willingness and my commitment to making a difference energetically on the planet for a really long time. And I think that that's um, a really awesome place to get to, right? Because it takes a minute to get there. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really am firmly kind of two feet, boots on the ground in really making a difference in the energetic field of the planet. And I really believe you can. And I really believe that we are, any of us in this, you know, in this world, in this sphere, if you will, are making a difference. With all of the learning and teachings that you've been doing over the years, you know, what have been some of your biggest aha moments or some of your biggest lessons that you've learned? Maybe even something that you wish you'd known earlier, although we know everything is in divine timing, but still. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll share a story. Um, in my late, let's see here, my, my very early 30s, I guess. Uh, my appendix ruptured and I, because of the complications of it, I ended up being in the hospital for about five weeks mm. and it was pretty touch and go. I was a pretty sick little puppy. And I always think back to that time as sort of a death and rebirth. Um, I was so deeply, deeply ill that it was almost like all the noise got shut out. I was sort of stepping deeper and deeper into this quiet zone, this kind of, I mean, I think about it now, it was really cl very close to death. So there was this stillness, there was this quietness, but amongst that stillness was just this voice of, why were you so afraid? Like, why were you so scared to be unabashedly who you are in the world? And I think that that moment was so poignant for me. And, you know, I didn't honestly know in many moments if I was going to make it. I, I was having conversations with myself um, in the moments that I was lucid enough to do so about trying to prepare almost for death because I could just feel the body and the soul kind of, you know, separating, if you will. So I think that when I had that, you know, really came to me and, and crystallized that we don't have all the time on the planet and we think we're just going to put becoming who we're meant to become till tomorrow. And yes, everything is divine timing. We do have to go through our cadence and our lessons, but I also do think we can miss the boat if we wait too long. And we don't, you know, we don't always have all the time in the world. And the earth incarnation is a very sacred and special incarnation. And, you know, we shouldn't waste it. We should really come here to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I think that that moment was probably the tipping point for me to step fully into my authenticity and never look back. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you think that, you know, bravery and courage are qualities that you can learn or that they are innately with you and you need to shine the light on them? I mean, do people need to go through these difficult situations, do you think, to step into their power or can they just decide I'm fed up with playing small and it's the time is now and to listen to that mm. truth? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think the distinction I would make is that often when we want to step into an energy zone that feels intense, right? So when you start to open the spiritual paradigms, you start to, you know, you start to feel new frequencies that although you want to go in that direction, the frequencies can be so big, they can be so bold that they almost overwhelm us. Mm -hmm. So rather than 
practicing courage or, um, you know, any of those kind of, I don't know, any of those kind of um, spiritual dogmatic kind of terms. What I like to think about is actually just building your energy field. And this is why I love Kundalini so much is that it helps you to be more comfortable with more frequency in your field. And so you, you know, in Kundalini, we talk about having 10 bodies. You have your physical body, but you have nine other bodies. And the the goal of Kundalini is to build all 10 of the bodies or all 10 of your frequencies. So that when these new energies come in, whether it's with opportunity, it's new jobs, it's new frequency that you're you're discovering in your spiritual practice, you're not so overwhelmed by it that then you just retract and push back against it. You actually can bring it in, you can work with it, you can integrate it, and you can make all that frequency mm. usable. So for me, it's a little bit less about, you know, courage or overcoming fear, although those can be great things to do. I like to think about just building your energetic body so you can handle what you're asking for. Mm, that is so good. And our listener at home might already know, cause I've shared this story before, but I did go through a period in my life where I wasn't integrating properly. I wasn't grounding properly. And I quote unquote, quit spirituality for like four years, over four <laughs> years. I was like, I'm out. I'm right. out. Wants to <laughs> you're not for me. No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think for me, one of the biggest challenges was that I wasn't grounding. I didn't have a proper foundation. Mm. I wasn't integrating everything that I learned in a way that I could actually manage. So it was as though I was living, you know, too much in my head. I know for me, yoga has really saved, saved me in a lot of ways. Uh, I guess I'm wondering whether or not you think that grounding is a big part of the integration. And do you have any suggestions for people to help ground? Because that's still something to this day that I, I have challenges with. I know myself. Yeah, you know, with grounding, I think there's really a time and a place. So I think it's interesting because um, there is a lot of talk about grounding and it is important that we're in our bodies, that we're occupying our space mm. and that we are connecting to Mother Earth because after all, we are on Earth. This is the Earth experience. So <laughs> we don't want to lift off. Uh, we do want to stay in contact with her frequency. But, you know, one of the things I learned in Kundalini Energy is that a lot of time when we have tons of energy moving, we think we need to ground it but actually again what we need to do is build the strength to just hold it oh. so we sometimes think okay well let me you know put it in the earth or give it to my feet because it's overwhelming me and i'm feeling scattered and i'm feeling this or that but one of the things that we need to do is just almost build the capacity to hold what's running so right. we're not constantly, you know, thinking I need to get rid of some of this or I need to give it to earth or get, you know, give it to my feet or get it off of me. Instead, you feel more comfortable with how much intensity is in your physical realm, is in your spiritual realm, and then you feel like you can project it powerfully. So I do think that it is awesome to go outside, to ground, to work with the earth energy. I mean, there's documentaries about grounding that are very, very powerful. And there's so many therapeutic, you know, um, advantages to doing that. But I also think that sometimes we need to understand that when we think we need to ground, really what we need to do is upregulate the kind of energetic strength we have to hold what we're working with now we're becoming more powerful and we need to understand how to use it so how do you so is that what you do in kundalini or how how would you yes. even start yeah. right okay so i'll be googling that later yeah i'll actually i'll, I'll share with you guys um, a super easy um kriya that you can do in kundalini it's called sat kriya so s-a-t kriyas k-r-i-y-a and this is actually a Kriya specifically to help kind of tune up the lower chakra system. Because what happens is when we turn on all this energetic frequency with whatever spiritual practices we're doing, we start moving into the upper chakra system. So we've got all this awesome radiance building, but the lower chakra system sometimes has a hard time keeping up. Mm. 
So that's where the tendency to want to ground, the tendency to want to, you know, pull everything down. But instead, what we need to do is just upper upregulate the capacity of the lower chakra system. So Sakriya is a very specific uh, set that we do to bring more strength, more resiliency to the lower chakra systems, so that as those upper chakras start firing, the lower chakras don't freak out and feel like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. So Sakriya, um, I do at least five minutes every day. Um, people sometimes do up to 31 minutes. Um, and I do that once in a while just to kind of give myself a big boost, but I do it at least five minutes every day. And for folks out there that are feeling this, like, especially if you are looking at your life and you're like, oh my gosh, this is everything I want. I asked for X, Y, and Z, but now I'm freaking out because it's all happening. <laughs> That's when you need to really get Sakriya so that your body can hold all the dreams and all the wisdom that you've been asking to pull in. So is this a physical practice or are you able to talk us through it? Yeah, it's actually really easy. So what you do is you come into rock pose, which is on your knees. So you're sitting on your heels, um, resting on your knees. The arms come overhead and the hands come together almost in the, the, the first finger, the pointer fingers stick straight up and the rest of the fingers are folded in like you're clasping your hands but the pointer fingers are sticking straight up together. For femme identifying, you're doing left thumb over right. And for masculine identifying, you're doing right over left. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like when you make a steeple kind of shape with your hands. Yes. And you just put that overhead. And then what you do is you, you pull all the energy up on the mantra sat. So S-A-T, we say it sat. And we're pulling what's called the mullabund. It's the sex organs, rectum and navel up as we bring in the mantra sut. So we pull all the energy up sut and then we relax down nam. Sut, nam, sut, nam. So it's a very simple activity, but super, super powerful. And it's actually one that is really known for making that kundalini energy rise or that you know when people talk about kundalini they're talking about this extra special energy that sits at the base of the spine almost like a snake that's coiled and when you do some of these certain kundalini practices they release the energy up the spine and this one is very well known to do that and so this again because of that kundalini energy that's coming up because of the sort of simplicity but also physical intensity of it you build your strength you build your physical strength. And then again, all of those bodies I was talking about earlier, they also get that radiant reflection and you just become a more powerful vessel. Wow. Thank you, Vanessa. I'm going to try that and I will get back to you. I'm very looking forward to that. So thank you. I can't wait. I know our listener at home's like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, anything that will give us an advantage, right? Because yeah. we have a lot going on right now. There's a lot of energy moving in the world, especially mm -hmm. for people who are spiritually facing because there's, um, there's so much coming at us all the time. And it's really hard to know which lane to be in how to hold it all, how to be there for ourselves and everyone else. So the yeah. more strength that we have in just, you know, our, our, our energetic field, the more powerful, the more beneficial we are to ourselves and everyone around us. Yeah. So good. What are some of your non-negotiable spiritual practices? I mean, I would, obviously you've just talked about one, but are there some others mm -hmm. that you need to do every day? Do you have rituals that you follow? Mm, that's, that's a great, I mean, Kundalini for me is a non-negotiable. I do spend about an hour, an hour and 15 every morning. Um, so that's definitely the way I set my day, the way I anchor my energy field. Um, but really for me, it's, it's about just being intentional about whatever it is that I'm doing. And, you know, sometimes, especially as entrepreneurs, you know, I mean, we're very, very busy people. There's yes. a lot going on to run your own business. And I have my, my starseed business, but I also run a business with my husband. And so, you know, we have a lot going on. And so I used to be in this battle of, you know, I need to walk every day outside for at least an hour and a half. I need to get sun and vitamin D and da, 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 you know, and you just, you start getting like, you feel like you're in failure mode because there's no way you can reach all of these goals. So what I really try to do is actually bring in spirit, bring in presence, bring in love, bring in all of the things to whatever it is I'm doing. And I'm very, very conscientious 
about not loading my plate with things I don't love. You know, I just, at this point in my life, if I don't love it and it's not a necessity, then I just don't do it. I just, you know, I give myself permission to hire someone who does love it, um, you know, get rid of it completely, simplify whatever it is, because we need to be doing the things that we love so that we can be shining in our brilliance. And that can be reflecting at the people around us. It can be reflected through our business and our colleagues and the people we're helping. So more than specific non-negotiables, I'm, um, I'm more about just really being clear about what's working for me and not and editing quickly when something's not working. <laughs> That's so good. There's so many times when you know, sometimes people try to make something work when it's just clearly not. And I know I've been listening to a lot of Wayne Dyer lately, and he's always talking about, you know, following your joy. And if it's not easy or fun and you're out of alignment and it's such a, Mm -hmm. you know, I love hearing you speak about that because so often people get caught up doing things they don't love and then they haven't Mm -hmm. created the space or, or made room for, you know, the things that they are passionate and do love to enter into their life. And, you know, and you, I'm sure know this, it doesn't mean you don't work really, really hard because, you know, you do, you have to put in the hours, you have to put in the effort, but if you love it, if it's coming from the grace of your heart and it's coming from the wisdom of your soul, it feels effortless in a way, even if it takes time and energy and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Cause you get a buzz from it too. Don't you? You're like, I'm working 10 hours, but I still feel good. (laughs) <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, I wish there were more hours. There's so much still to create. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So what inspired the name for your business, Starseed Collective? Uh, so, you know, I've been kind of, I guess, dabbling in this whole concept of Starseeds for a while. Um, but more recently, I uh, had a plant medicine ceremony. So I actually don't do plant medicine medicine um, really anymore. But for a few years there, I was dabbling with ayahuasca with mushroom ceremonies. I, you know, I, I dabbled in psychedelics for a long time and they've been wonderful teachers. um, And I've had wonderful experiences with them. But uh, one of the specific ceremonies that I had, I was asking the plants about my origin story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, often we think about, you know, our birth story, right? Like when did we come into earth and our parents and our ancestry here in, you know, this kind of planetary system. And what I was given was actually a much more deep story about the origin of my soul when my soul was created. And um, I was given a story about three extraterrestrial tribes. One is called Lyran, one is called Arcturian and one is called Pleiadian. And I'm not actually at this time that familiar with extraterrestrials. I mean, I kind of think they're out there and believe in them because at this point I'm like, come on, like (laughs) we can't be alone. Uh, (laughs) But I was given a story about these specific three extraterrestrial um, communities, uh, conscious planets, if you will, or conscious kind of creative beings co co um, creating my soul. And they said, you know, we waited until we had mastered the things that these extraterrestrial nations were good at. So um, for Pleiadians, for example, they're beautiful healers. They're wonderful um, kind of almost light workers and healers. And Arcturians are almost engineers. They're very good at figuring things out um, and being very kind of diplomatic about how to create. And the Lyrans are very good at creating in physical 3D, like making stuff happen. And they're also um, very, they're very feisty and sporty and physical. And so the story I was given is that we waited until the three of these nations could master the frequencies that they held and we gifted them to your soul. And you are actually a co-creation of these three interplanetary systems. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of like, well, that's not what I was expecting (laughs) here. You're like, I got to do my Satnam practice. Got to integrate. Exactly. Exactly. Like, let's do some Satkriya because this is a lot. Yeah. So we, um, so anyway, it was so beautiful though, because in the plant medicine ceremony, literally, 
all three of the the kind of nations, if you will call them, I guess, uh, showed up there to kind of just bear witness that we, you know, we are your your ancestors. And so, you know, the star, so this, therefore the star seed was born, right? So star seeds, traditionally people talk about star seeds as being souls that are from other extraterrestrial species or planetary systems or kind of other dimensional beings that have come to earth to help make a difference, to bring us to our next evolution. Um, you know, some people refer to it as moving from 3D to 5D. Some people um, talk about it as moving into just a higher dimensional frequency, a different collective consciousness. So there's different ways to frame it. But for me, I think the idea is it doesn't actually matter if you're an alien or not, <laughs> because whatever, that's a cool story. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, maybe it's the plant medicine. It doesn't actually <laughs> matter. But the frequency of it that I love is that my soul was created to make a contribution to the planet earth mm. and and that's what stuck for me and i think that it doesn't necessarily matter where our souls originate from where we come from if we are you know earth seeds or some other kind of seed but if you're here and you have a deep deep calling to make a difference and to make a beautiful imprint on planet earth then you know likely you are a star seed mm. <laughs> so that's where starseed collective was born so great. Can we talk about psychedelics <laughs> for a second? If you feel good with sure. that, you have some yeah, suggestions for our listener at home, because, you know, taking ayahuasca or doing mushroom ceremonies and stuff is not something that you should do lightly or without information, without having done your research mm -hmm. about your sources and things like that. So can you talk a bit about your experience and maybe if you've got any suggestions for somebody at home who might be thinking that they want to explore mm -hmm. this world? Yeah, the first thing I would say to people is you really don't need to do psychedelics. Um, I think if there's anything I've learned is that you don't actually need them. I mean, you already have everything you need. You already have access to all of these portals and dimensions. Um, the thing about psychedelics is that it makes them very, very present and very, very apparent. So it makes it a little bit easier for some people to get past the rational mind and actually see into that interdimensionality right. and actually have an experience of it so they can believe that it's there. If you're someone that doesn't really have that difficult of a time believing it's there, you can go into those other dimensions. It's all right here. Plant medicine and you know all of the psychedelics are just a way to kind of unlock the door and, and walk in a little easier, but you really don't need to do it. Um, and, and that's actually why I'm not currently really doing any plant medicine is that I'm so deeply involved in the Kundalini and the Kashuk records that I almost feel like there's really just no reason anymore. Like it's already here. I already have access to all the templates. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but if you are considering it, um, because you're called to it for whatever reason, then exactly like you said, you just need to know your sources. I would say asking for people around you who have had good experiences who they had those experiences with. Um, you know, there's obviously you can go do those things legally in Peru. You can do those things legally in Costa Rica now. There's lots of vetted places that people have had wonderful experiences at. So I would just say, you know, reading reviews, talking to people you know and love and trust. And actually, most people probably know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that's had experience with it. And so you just really want to make sure that it's coming from a trusted source. It's coming from someone who can vouch for whoever's doing the ceremony or whoever's creating that space. And if it feels right, you know, that's, that's just a, a, a personal choice for you at that time. Mm -hmm. But I really, what I want to leave people with is you don't have to do all that stuff to be spiritual. And it's very like woke culture, right? Like you got to do this, you got to do that, and you got to yeah. do all the cool things and check all of the boxes, but you really don't. You know, yeah. you have everything you need inside of your own conscious mind, your own third eye, your own chakra system to access any dimension or, or portal that you want. So just don't feel pressurized to do it. Mm -hmm. If you do do it, feel like it's really coming from an authentic wanting of that experience. Mm -hmm. Well said. So, you know, talking about other dimensions, kind of like the Akashic records that you were just talking about there. I mean, how do you get out of your own way and allow yourself to access that? Is, is belief part of it? You know, you believe it and now you get to see it. Is Do you have to go mm. through a particular practice to 
you know, in order to access that? Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, definitely. So one thing I'll kind of preface this with is I learned about the Akashic Records um, in that year-long internship through the, the Berkeley Psychic Institute that I was referring to earlier. Um, but I will say that it wasn't until I got very, very deeply devotional to my Kundalini practice and I became a Kundalini teacher that the Akashic Records actually said to me, it's time for you to teach it. So when that happens, they give you your own prayer and they kind of anoint you as a teacher. Oh, and beautiful. so, um, yeah, and, and so I believe that the Kundalini energy and the access point to the Akashic field were inextricably linked for me. I feel like that, um, just what I was talking about earlier, it built my energy field big enough, large enough, strong enough, whatever you wanna say to actually hold the wisdom of it. And so, mm -hmm. I think that you um, you have to find the discipline that upregulates your energy field, because the more that you do that, the more the the access points to these kind of technologies become much more easy and much more clear and much more radiant in your field, and that takes time, right? Because yeah. if you're somebody who's maybe working in a corporate world still and a lot of your psyche is kind of in that energy zone and you can't really spend a ton of time over here in spiritual land you know you you have to balance what's reality for you and and honestly the more that you can integrate those things even if you're working in a world that isn't necessarily spiritual if you can bring it in in your own unique way i think that up upregulates the process and upregulates your trust in whatever you know paradigm you're working in so for me it was really about being devotional to my daily practice and holding my energy field high and i just you know i'd say to anyone just find whatever makes you spiritually stronger because you'll trust yourself you'll trust those voices in your head that you hear that are maybe subtle right now they'll come on stronger they'll be more clear you'll have more confirmation of you know, the thoughts that you have or the feelings you have. And so you kind of just need to keep following those crumbs and sooner or th sooner than later, you'll get stronger in your sense of self around it. Yes. And one of the ways to, I guess, support your spiritual journey is to have crystals. So even if you are mm. in a corporate job, <laughs> you can have a shiny little pretty crystal and someone's like, what's that? Yes. You go, it's just pretty, you know, like really it's actually, you know, <laughs> whatever type of crystal it is. So can we, let's talk about crystals for a minute, because I know it's really exciting that you actually go into the Akashic records and you actually get information about how to create crystal grids from mm -hmm. you know, the Akashic yes. field. So talk to me a little bit about that. How cool. Yeah, it's really, really fun. It's actually one of my favorite things to do because it's very simple, but it makes a profound difference in people's lives. And so especially for people who are coming online in their spirituality and are trying to figure out, like we were just talking about how to build the muscle, if you will, to, to yeah. build the trust and build the, the radiance of this experience. Um, the crystals make such a huge difference because what we do is we open the Akashic records of your home and um and and for you who i'm reading for one caveat i'll say with the records is you can't open it for anyone that you don't have permission but as long as you have permission for that home and that person you can look into the energy field of their space and i can actually hear from the akashic records what crystals we should put in what rooms to pull the energy grid up of the entire house so it's kind of like if you just turned up the volume on the energy and the frequency of the house um, by simply putting crystals in specific locations. And, you know, I've had people not even get the crystals. This is the crazy thing. I've had people just do the grid with me and order the crystals and the crystals are like on their way and crazy things start happening, you know, new job offers or like marriage proposals or they get pregnant or like just, you know, just crazy, crazy energy shifts um, from just the, the almost the conscious commitment to bring the crystals in. And so I, I love doing crystal grids and I think it's, it's a perfect gateway drug for anyone who's trying to get into crystals or just spirituality in general. You know, it's so funny. I, when I thought about crystal grids, I've always just thought about, you know, a piece of paper and you put your little grid, your little crystals on a particular grid, but I never really thought about it in terms of the plan of your home. Right. 
Yeah. I know I, I didn't either, but this is something the Kashuk field gave me. They were like, you need to be doing these crystal grids. And so I kind of had the same idea, right? You get the, you know, the little wood cut out or the paper or whatever, yeah. but this is actually, yeah, going in room by room and seeing what frequencies need to be held where, and I'm time and time again, I'm blown away by how spot on they are for people, how much, you know, when I say, well, this crystal wants to come in for X, Y, and Z, they're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what's going on in that room. I mean, I'll even hear them say like, that room's kind of messy. Like tell them they need to clean it up. You know, like <laughs> it's so it's so funny, but the crystals, you know, they're very beautiful light beings and they're very, um, we, we talk about them as being elemental beings. So they're of the, you know, the elemental realm but these are really supportive beings that want to come in and they want to be powerfully supportive to our earth experience. So, you know, if you're working with them, they're working with you. If you're showing up for them, they're showing up for you. And that's the thing about crystals is that once you start bringing them in and you're talking to them and you're working with them, everything just changes. You're, the whole vibra vibratory field of your home just shifts. So how do you talk to your crystals? It's interesting because I just got a couple of new crystals here. And as you're mm -hmm. speaking now, I feel like they're not in the right spot. So I'm mm. going to have to um, spend some time with them, I guess. But how do you talk I, to them? Yeah. Do you get, do you meditate so, with them or, you know, how does that You happen? know, it's funny. Uh, someone gave me this example the other day and I absolutely loved it because it was exactly, I think, how I work with them, which is it's like Siri, right? If Siri's on and you talk to her, she wakes up and she's like, yeah, hey, blah, 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 you know, and you can ask her questions. If you're not talking to her, she kind of just shuts down and like, you know, goes into sleep mode or whatever. Crystals are very similar like that when you you just literally have to talk to them you just say to them hey um you know i'm thinking about this what do you think or i'll look at them in the morning i have these beautiful shelves in my living room and i'll just ask hey do you guys want to move does anyone want to move do you like where you are what do you feel and i will hear them say to me yeah i want to move i've been here for a month now like i'm bored with this oh. spot can you move me to you know and they'll even make requests for rooms then other times i'll hear them say no i'm good here i'm gonna stay here and so you just it's the subtle field. And this is what people have a really hard time in the beginning, I think, of their spiritual journey is making the distinction between, you know, their ego voice or their own voice and the subtle field and what's being offered there. Yes. And I think the more you tune into trusting the subtle field and trusting your relationship and you calibrate what you're hearing and where it's coming from, you get more comfortable actually listening to the things that are coming in. Yes. And you know, especially with the Akashic Records, I'm like, there's no way this stuff's coming from me because that's not what I would have said. That's not what Vanessa would have said. Yeah. So I've gotten really, you know, strong about trusting it at this point, but it just takes, it takes time to calibrate it and to listen and sit with them and meditate with them. Um, I just had a group here for a retreat, a medicine woman retreat, and they were, you know, I told them, hey, talk to the crystals, see who wants to work with you today. So they were, you know, grabbing different crystals and working with them during different Kundalini sets. And they really, really will communicate if you just kind of turn your eye towards it. That's so good. It's so funny that you say that because I was, I did a meditation the other day and I felt like I got a message from, um, from a past over loved one for another, for another person who's here. And it was the weirdest mm -hmm. thing ever. And I just remember thinking to myself, you just have to just put it out there and trust. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so I presented this information and <laughs> the person said, that doesn't ring a bell to me. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, <laughs> it's so funny. I yeah. took, took a lot of courage to actually say that because it was so weird. And then, no, mm -hmm. that doesn't ring a bell to me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, what's funny. This has happened to me so many times where I've said something to someone and they're like, yeah, I don't know. A year later, two years later or whatever, some, something later, they're like, oh, actually, <laughs> you know what? Now that I think of it, the, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just funny. You, you just have to have non-attachment, give it out and just set it free. And then it has a journey of its own. It's not yours anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, now and you, you probably can relate to this, you know, when you're a spiritual person, we do say a lot of weird stuff. So I don't think it was yes. that. <laughs> They're probably like, Oh, Lord. They're like, there she goes again. Yeah. 
Yeah. So nothing that I say is totally like, it's all strange, but it's not that weird coming from me, I guess. So, right. Right. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly it. So, you know, you're talking earlier about, uh, you know, having uh, some uh, a medicine women um, retreat at your place and people are, you know, checking out the crystals and, and connecting with them. So do you have to program crystals to work in a specific way? And then after people have sort of maybe played with them, so to speak, you know, I guess, interacted with them, do you have to cleanse them of somebody else's energy? Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic and miracles within. Yeah, I think that your relationship with your crystals are really um, important and they're really personal. So uh, oftentimes, like I said, I'll ask the crystals, you know, how do you feel? Like, did you like working, working with that person? Or, you know, is there, do we need to do something to clear you? Most of the time, because of the work that I'm doing here, it's such high vibration. It's such high, beautiful frequency that my crystals are like, no, why would I want to cleanse that away? <laughs> like, this is, this is what I live for kind of thing. So for me, a lot of times I actually think of the crystals as more of a sink where I'm sinking that energy in the field and they're holding the vibrancy of it for me here in the home. So, um, but I do once in a while, uh, not every single full moon, but sometimes I'll feel like, okay, we've been working on a certain set of frequencies for a while. I feel like I might be complete with that last phase I was in or that last journey I was on. And maybe it's time to kind of reset the template. So again, this is just sort of about being in tune with yourself and your crystals and just saying, okay, I'm going to reset them this full moon. I'm going to cleanse them and charge them and kind of get some new frequency coming in. Mm -hmm. And honestly, there's no hard and fast rules with crystals. It's really a beautiful dance that you have with them. And, you know, I, I've heard people say they never cleanse them, that they don't think they need to be cleansed, that that's ridiculous. I've heard other people say they can't have someone touch their crystal without needing to cleanse it. Mm -hmm. So again, it's very, very personal. And the most important thing is that you're tuning into your own wisdom about it and you're trusting that subtle field that is coming through for you because I believe that we have soul contracts, you know, that we actually agreed with these crystals to do work at, together at certain periods of our life and certain times. And when we find those crystals, when we bring them into our home, we're fulfilling on those contracts. So your contract's gonna be different than anyone else's contract. And you need to be, you know, considering that. You need to really be aware that your relationship should be different. Mm. And I guess that makes it, you know, even more important that when you are choosing a crystal that you are choosing a crystal based on connecting with that. I know that I went to buy some crystals from my friend's shop and she had sent me some images of some. And one of the ones that I chose when I went there, it was like, girl, I am not for you. <laughs> so I put it back and I chose a different one. So, you know, it's it important that you're kind of when you're choosing or shopping for your crystals that you that you're paying attention to, you know, how you're feeling about it. And can you buy them online if you can't mm -hmm. see them or feel, or if you can't feel, you know, them up close? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So um, I always say that crystals choose you just as much as you choose them. So it definitely needs to be a two-way street and you do need to have kind of an energetic impulse towards it. And everyone's always asking, you know, what's the best way to pick out your crystals? And I say gut instinct or just total instinct and attraction is the number one way to do it. You don't know why, but you see it and you have to have it and, or you just, there's something about it that you just know you need it. And that's actually how I got into crystals is I walked into a crystal shop. I saw this crystal and I had this overwhelming feeling in my body and it was like, it was almost like seeing a long lost friend. I was like, I have to have this crystal. And it was actually a big crystal. It was more expensive than any <laughs> crystal I'd ever bought. So I was like, you know, trying to wrap my logical mind around buying something yeah. this expensive. And, and yeah. you know, but I, I couldn't, I could not, you know, get past the feeling I had about it. So um, 
I ended up working with the shop owner. I was like, can I make payments? I need to have this. So he worked with me and it was great. So you can absolutely have this experience online. Um, and in the sessions that I do with people, you totally can because it's a frequency. And that emission of the frequency hits you, whether you're right next to me or you're 5,000 miles away, you still get that like, okay, we have a soul contract. This is the crystal. And anyone that's usually coming to me usually has soul contracts with the crystals I'm coming in. And I always think I, I just work for the crystals. Like I'm here just to help deliver the soul contracts. So yeah. you, you definitely can, but the most important thing is that you feel the attraction to it and you, you, you like instantly kind of love it. What happens when crystals break and what should you do with them? Oh yeah, it's, um, it's great. So a crystal breaking is actually not a bad sign. Um, they say that when they break, they're actually either one, they're taking an energetic blow that you now don't have to buffer. So oh. maybe something that was going to come into your life and cause disruption or cause chaos or cause whatever, you actually don't have to do it because the crystal took the hit for you. So when they do break, um, I, I do two things. One, I put them either in my plants or I bury them. And I work, I live in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I take groups out a lot on retreats and stuff on in the neighboring um, parks. And there's just so much beautiful nature here. So I'll actually bring the broken pieces and I will um, bury them out in the parks or anywhere I feel called to kind of seed the energy. So uh, the other thing is, um, if they take a little crack or, you know, just a little hit, but they're good that you, you can still work with it. Okay. It's just maybe taking a little something that you don't have to, you know, take on the head for yourself, but you can still completely work with it. The energy's still there. It's only really when there's a pretty severe break that it's maybe saying to you, our, our time together is over. Mm. We've fulfilled on that soul contract. Like I said, and it's time for me to go back to the earth. So I always give it back to the earth or I put them in my plants and let them kind of support my plants. Thank you so much for, you know, even just reminding me and our listener that they are elementals. I think that mm -hmm. I've been separated from that connection to, I think I haven't really remembered that they are their own entity in that way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So that's a really important and lesson for me today. Thank you. Yeah, they talk about the Davic realm, um, the Davic spirits, and they say that they, you know, are elemental spirits, and they actually make the crystals in the dirt or make the crystals in, in the rock formation. And they are a spiritual frequency. They have a realm of existence. And yeah, it's kind of fun too to think about it like that. You're like, oh, cool, these little elemental spirits making these beautiful all my rocks friends. for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I could use more spiritual friends. I don't know yeah. about you. <laughs> There's Lauren yeah. again talking to her rocks. Yep. <laughs> there she goes again. Don't mind her. <laughs> Crazy cousin Lauren. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what are some of the most popular crystals or what are some crystals that you maybe recommend people have in their toolkit or their medicine bag to quote you earlier? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's some um, kind of some standards or some important fundamentals. Clear quartz, of course, is a master crystal. So it doesn't actually require to be clean, to be charged. It kind of comes with its own force field. And so it's a really powerful crystal to work with because it's just sort of like an unending source of energy. Uh, it also charges other crystals. So if you're bringing in new crystals, you can kind of think of your your uh, clear quartz as like the master teacher of all the other crystals. So definitely clear quartz. Um, I think rose quartz is another really important one because obviously that's working with the frequency of love and self-compassion and mm -hmm. kind of that soft feminine feeling. Um, I think that one is definitely good to bring in for any heart healing, any heart chakra work. Smoky quartz is another one that I recommend kind of getting back to what we were talking about grounding mm. just to help that lower chakra system and help you feel safe and rooted into your physical experience in life. Uh, those are definitely really helpful. And then two that I think are great to work almost interchangeably and some are attracted more to one of them than the other, which is selenite or black obsidian or black tourmaline. And those are uh, both really great cleansing uh, crystals that help to keep any negative energy around or, or any negative energy away. 
Uh, the selenite holds a little bit of angel frequency. So if you're into angel energy, that's a really good one to work with, but something that helps kind of seal the house. So oftentimes when I'm doing the grids, I'll bring black tourmaline or black obsidian or selenite to the front doors mm -hmm. to keep any frequency that isn't yours. And that isn't of the highest vibration out of the house. And I think those are really kind of the fundamentals or the foundational crystals you should work with. Obviously from there, you know, Malachite's another really great one. Um, Carnelian is another really great one. It's another sort of uh, creativity crystal. And then Malachite is actually another one for heart chakra, but a little bit more on the masculine side. So if you're a man working with crystals, I'd say maybe Malachite over rose quartz. And if you're feminine, rose quartz over Malachite. Um, but those are kind of the f like the foundational crystals, the fundamentals, if you will. And I think that those are sort of a must have in your crystal bag. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And if people go out and they do get them, do you think they need to cleanse them? I know selenite self-cleaning. Um, do you have mm -hmm. a process? Do you sage them? Do you put them in the moon you mentioned earlier? Is there kind of a way yeah. that you would recommend people get started? S yeah, definitely. So there's a couple of different ways that you can cleanse them. Like you said, the sage is great. Any kind of smoke will help clear off any energy. Um, a lot of people use Palo Santo as well. So that's another option. I actually do something called sound smudging. So of these beautiful Tibetan chimes, and I'll actually ring the frequency of the chime and I will kind of bathe them in the frequency of sound. And I really love sound. I think sound is very, very powerful. So a lot of times I'll actually just take the chimes and, and sort of sound bath them and then charge them either under the full moon or if I'm setting a new intention or kind of a new phase of activation, you can put them under the new moon. And that's for sort of setting new intentions, new goals. Uh, you're go you know, you wanna kind of create something new in your life you could also do them under the new moon. But yeah, I think any of those are great. Obviously some crystals are water uh, safe, some are not. So you need yeah. to be clued into that because you can do uh, you know, salt baths. A lot of the crystals love that and they love to work in water as long as they can you know, be in water without being damaged. So you wanna make sure that you Google if you can put that crystal in water, but otherwise the smoke and the sound is a no brainer and it works beautifully. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa. Girl, we did a lot in this call. <laughs> we covered a lot. <laughs> Whoa. Is there anything that I didn't ask, though, that you wanted to mention? How can people get a hold of you? I know you do so many different amazing things. So please do take a few minutes to let our listener at home know uh, everything that you offer and, and how they can connect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so primary way to connect with me is starseed-collective.com. That's where all the crystals and you can obviously contact me through that site. Um, I'm also on Instagram as starseed-collective or sorry, starseed.collective. So uh, you can find me there. I also run another company with my husband called Be The Wellness and Be is spelled like a honeybee. And we run transformational retreats all around the globe. So we take people to Machu Picchu and African safaris and all kinds of amazing adventures all over because we just believe in the transformational power of, of you know, being out there in the world. So there's kind of two hats. There's really kind of the more spiritual paradigm of the Starseed Collective. And then there's kind of the more like physical adventurous side, the more I have my masculine and feminine <laughs> businesses. And so I just encourage you to check them both out and see what calls to you, where kind of get in where you fit in, because we've got you covered on anything you want. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I'll put a link to all that as well in the show notes for our listener at home so that it's easy access for you. Thank you, Vanessa. Come back on the show anytime, girl. What a great conversation. Oh, thank you. Satnam. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.